Hey folks, today we're doing a throwback episode. This goes back to, holy cow, 2019. I cannot believe it has been that long since Jordan was on the show. Uh, to my really good friend, Jordan Wolfram, he is true adventurer, uh, is definitely someone who who takes advantage of the time he has, makes it happen. He He's a uh, an adventure machine squeezes adventure out of every business trip and every time he travels with family or what any time he has, he's always doing something. Uh, if you have heard about those trips that I'm doing every eight weeks, uh, we, we, we planted a little adventure with you know anyone that wants to go in this area. We live in Central Florida now, uh, and we do like a, a river paddling trip. It's been a lot of river trips lately, some, some backpa- bike packing trips, some hiking trips. Um, every eight weeks we plan something and we invite as many people as want to go as, as we can go. If there's limits on like a, the camping site, that's like the only limit there is, but we've got extra equipment and the, and the trips are growing every time we go. We're getting upwards of like 20, 30 people in these things. Uh, and our next one is in August, the end of August. If you want to go reach out to me, I'll happily give you details. You're totally welcome. It's, they're usually two full days of paddling or bike packing. And uh, Jordan is one of my friends that we always plan these trips with. So it's Jordan, my other friend Paul, and and now a lot of other people. Uh, but Jordan's a great friend of mine, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm also trying to give you an update on the, these uh, things we do. The next one after August will be in October uh, near Ocala, Ocala National Forest. We're going to do a big group site. So we've got up to 50 people at that one that we can get. So if you want to go, that's, I think, Columbus Day weekend. Please let me know. Be happy to have you. And uh, we're going to do all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. But this next trip, into this month, if you want to go. But anyway, Jordan's a great friend of mine. His adventure, this adventure we're talking about right now, is bike touring the length of New Zealand. He literally did like north all the way to south. Uh, but Jordan and I have done uh, bike pa- bikepacking trips all across the country, the Colorado Trail, stuff like that, and uh, a lot of things around here. So... I loved this conversation. I can't believe it was almost three years ago now. That's just insane to me. Uh, yeah, it was almost exactly three years ago. Uh, but anyway, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. But yeah, people kind of already heard like you are one of the most interesting people I know. Um, one of my best friends for sure. And we've done a lot of adventures together, but, uh, but be, to be honest, I, I hear kind of bits and stories of you, like your early life where you started, but it's always these just crazy stories and I, but I don't know how to put it all together. You know what I mean? Chronologically, I know you're spent time in Ecuador and, and Canada and Florida, but I don't know how it all works together. So if, if you don't mind, you know, what, what was your childhood like and where did you grow up? And also you know, what kind of sports were you doing then? Cause this, this is all news to me really. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I got lucky overall with childhood. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, I always liked being outdoors and being active, but, uh, really I have my dad and even my mom to thank for, uh, they moved us around a few times and they're both pretty active people. So I kind of like you grew up originally in, in the Florida area, played soccer, did a lot of the stuff around here lots of time at the the beach kayaking um and had fun but also got to spend pretty much every summer until i was 10 in colorado for two to four weeks really 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. You have to remember, like Manitou area. Yep, right, right at the base of Pikes Peak there. So I remember being like eight years old one day and deciding I'm going to climb Pikes Peak at like two in the afternoon, getting up to halfway or whatever that bar, bar camp, bar trail or something. I forget what it's called. It's a little past the top of Manitou, and it's like getting dark, and you're like eight years old. And it's like, oh yeah, we should probably turn around before parents worry where we're at. <laughs> oh my gosh, man, that's what I'm saying. You always got these crazy stories, but I didn't know that. So, so it was kind of just all over the place doing stuff in Colorado. What else did you do? Well, that was actually Colorado was fun because that's where my dad taught us to repel off a little mountain there. So again, real young. He would uh, put a rope around you, and at the time I was so light, you had to like bounce your way down the rope because the figure eight didn't have enough friction versus my weight to to repel me down. So I got really really comfortable at a young age, just uh, with uh, just climbing and being outdoors, uh, repelling so heights, and and always enjoyed it though. It was never like pushed on me it was always oh let's let's go do this and and repelling and hiking became a just a, a means to to be out there did you get into traditional climbing at that point or was it more repelling strictly i i quite frankly haven't done a ton of traditional climbing i've i've climbed a handful of pretty tall mountains but none of them have required real intense technicality um the thing I got into it climbing for a good while was when my family moved to Ecuador, which is where my dad's from. I got into with him what we called canyoneering. I think it's a little different than what most people think of uh, with canyoneering. The Why is that? So I, I lived more in the rainforest part of Ecuador, but it's right where the Andes Mountains slope down into the Amazon. And you get these really steep river valleys. Um, and they're just beautiful. And it rains almost every day there. And... Basically, any river running down the side of the valley is just, it's dropping several thousand feet of elevation. And so it, they just be little streams. They're tiny. And we would just start from kind of the highway that wound its way through the, the bigger valley, one of the feeder rivers of the Amazon. And you would just kind of look at the mountain and be like, I bet that river is chock full of waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> so you, <laughs> you, uh, you park the car and, uh, and we would, we didn't have fancy equipment. It was like a like a 20 or 30 foot kind of thick cotton rope that was easy to grab. And uh, sometimes harnesses and maybe a little pack with some snacks. And we'd just start going and you hike up the river for a while. And then you might, you know, climb a couple easy waterfalls real fast. And then there might be a real big one. And so you'd have to work together to kind of half free climb. But you're, you're tying off of each other and working your way up that uh, uh, waterfall. Or sometimes it just wasn't climbable, at least at our skill level, right away. And so you kind of sneak your way around it climbing the vegetation on the side and then dropping a rope from the top and belaying the next person to see if they can do it. So, <laughs> Dang, man. so was, were you, how long did you say you were living in Ecuador? I, I lived there for five years, basically high school. Okay. Uh, so it was a really, really fun time though. Cause in high school I was active in sports, um, pretty fit you could say. And so it was an awesome time to get into that. Uh, it was, it was kind of an outlet too. moving to Ecuador was not, easy and so those saturdays where i would go uh canyoning it, it just kind of helps set the rest of the week and, and you got into soccer while you were down there too it's probably hard not to <laughs> basically uh <laughs> soccer 
I might think that I was better than I was. <laughs> you? No, no, no. Not Jordan. <laughs> no, I played a lot. I uh, ended up kind of switching from defender to work my back way back to goalie. I was tall and quick. Uh, and then from that, over time, didn't, didn't really end up playing beyond high school, but always loved the sport. Um, it did tear up my knees a lot, though. <laughs> yeah. It like it, in it like what what do you have is it patellar tendonitis or what yeah so i know you also deal with uh a lot of knee stuff it's i think it's tall skinny people it's like a problem for us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so i basically had no muscle mass around my knees even though i was you know running and all that stuff a lot and my patellar tendons both of them just got really shredded they never actually snapped but uh i mean to this day i just have to be really really careful with that particular tendon um you know i don't i don't deal with a lot of people have ankle issues or a lot of people have the uh, what's the long one on the side of your leg real long one on the side of your knee that a lot of cyclists deal with so you know uh what did what did the knee injuries cause you to do because i know did you get into biking down there when you were down there or did you wait until you got back to the states um i always rode my bike around town when i was in ecuador but uh that that was it and always liked it. Um, had a little, you know, mongoose that I'd haul down there. It was fun. But it wasn't actually till I went to Southeastern University, same as a uh, Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, you probably don't want that announced, do you? <laughs> I don't care. Are you kidding me? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a good time. And um, I would play a lot of intramural soccer. And, and one day I played like soccer and ran a couple miles. And I almost couldn't walk because of how bad my pen teller was just it was messed up. So really didn't do any, didn't do any activity for three months, even though I was dying to other than just kind of going to the gym and doing some upper body stuff. But that uh, blessing and a curse, you know, it got me into uh, biking because biking is just so much less pressure on your knees than, than running and soccer and stuff. So you got a bike and how, I mean, when was that? Cause then we, we met at some point and I gave, and I had an idea like, Hey, let's bike, let's bike across the West. And uh, I think we met at like an Applebee's or something with James and you were eating like quesadillas and like, who is this Jordan guy? Just have all these crazy stories. And then it led to uh, us doing a trip together. <laughs> uh, that Prior to that conversation, I'd never done any, what you could call significant biking. My favorite story to tell, because this is so like, you work with what you have. So I, there's lo- lo- local trails here in Lakeland called Carter Road, and they're like eight miles of Dooney mountain bike trails. And this is Florida, so nothing crazy. Um, but it'll make you work. And I, the only bike I had around at the time was a beach cruiser that you had to pedal, you had to pedal backwards on to break. <laughs> You're going over these like super skinny walls, trying to jam the brake back. And then you hit an uphill, and it's so steep. At one point, the beach cruisers had the big wide handlebars. Yeah. I pulled up so hard on the handlebar to get enough force to get up a hill i broke the handlebar off <laughs> some walmart beach cruisers man oh my gosh that's man that's that's what i like about you is it just don't matter you just take whatever you got and go for it um which has led to some cool stuff it can get you in trouble sometimes but more times than not it's pretty awesome stories all right so you took a beach cruiser out to carter road um, i'm familiar with that place yeah, not ideal. If for anyone that don't know, it's not ideal for out there. Um, and then what? What started happening in the adventure world for you? 
Well, then I met Mason, and my whole life changed forever. Come on, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mason, uh, Mason talked me into, I think, so people like yourself, I think, tell a lot of stories, or like, or not tell a lot of stories, but you, you had just come back from this amazing Alaska 5,000-mile trip, total rugged wilderness, and then you had just done a, um, uh, a trip from basically Orlando to Maine, right? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, a month east coast. A lot more um, which got, uh, quaint and subdued than the uh, Alaska trip, for sure. It was cake in comparison. <laughs> wow. Um, and so I'm just hearing you telling these stories, and I'd, I've been working at my first, I guess, quote-unquote, adult job for about a year and was loving it. Um, I'm someone I really do enjoy work, but when I hear these stories... It was just so inspiring, and I'm like, man, I like to bicycle, and, and Mason made it, you made it too tempting. You're like, yeah, well, I have a, a bike you can use, because at the time, you were just wandering around, like, national parks after completing the Tour Divide, and for some reason, you were in town, right? I think I was back home for something. Took a break in the middle. I know my dad had surgery during that trip, and I had to come home for that. I don't know if it was then or before I even left, the summer before. I'm not sure, and we were... We were decent friends at this time didn't know each other too well but i i got inspired and you uh you know you you took away all the obstacles and so it just came to the point you know what i i have to say yes or else i just look like i was leading you on <laughs> <laughs> yeah man we started planning and you flew out and we did man just colorado it was you flew into the Denver International Airport. For anyone that's ever been there, it is way, it's almost in Kansas. It is out there. And you put your bike together there and rode it into town like 20 miles. <laughs> and I was coming out of Estes Park and we met in Denver. It That day was, what was it, like 15 degrees outside the day we started? It was solid winter. Tons of snow on the ground too. Uh, it was miserable. I wasn't used to a road bike at the time. I'd, I'd been pedaling to uh, get some exercise to be ready. But yeah, that first day, I remember the uh, my shoes, the water would splash up and get, or the, the water on the road would splash up and it got on my shoes and it froze while we're pedaling. And I'm like, whew, here goes three more weeks of this. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then, then we biked up to Manitou and uh, your crucial connections got us a nice little warm cabin to stay in that night which was honestly needed after such a cold miserable day yeah and that was a cool trip though i mean that was so eye-opening for me um i think we went to what like six or seven national parks just kind of snaking along colorado and utah or yeah all of them in utah the first time i'd ever been to moab you talked me into renting a bike <laughs> and mountain biking like shuttling up to the top of like the LaSalle mountains and mountain biking down a trail. It was probably one of the best experiences of my life. And, and I don't know, man, that was, that was a great time because we, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I mean, you were just so interesting to talk to. You'd be pedaling next to me all day, just, just chatting. You're chatty. <laughs> Telling uh, these crazy stories. I'm like, who is this guy, Jordan? <laughs> but then we finished the trip, man, and I continue on, or you you finish and you go back to work, and then I don't know what, what then what happened because you planned a huge trip after that where I was like, wow, this guy is going far beyond far beyond this little trip we did together. Yeah, so that that first um, 
bike trip really gave me the bug to want to tour. And, and what I'd enjoyed from that was the pace was so slow and people would stop and talk to you and you really had to soak in not just the sites that you went to, but the, the ride along the way, you realized how beautiful sections were. Uh, so I went back to work. Um, it actually probably was a, a good six months or so. I was back at work and I started um, feeling out a trip. Um, I, w- I wanted to do something that was biking related. And it just happened at the time. I had a very good friend, Bo, who was living in Japan. I had a friend who thought he was available to be in New Zealand. And I had a friend living in China. So you, I started piecing those together and looking at flights and didn't have a lot of money at the time, but said, I, I can do this. Um, I want to kind of piece this route together and ended up pulling the trigger with the highlight being I, I took my uh, specialized rock hopper that I'd bought for $200 and it was a mountain bike I'd been using for about a year and a half. A super solid bike, kind of heavy, a little bit small for me. Uh, but I threw that in a box along with... Uh, some panniers and a, and a backpack. Flew out to Japan for 10 days or so and had an awesome time with a buddy there, mostly snowboarding. And then after some big hassles, flew out to New Zealand, into Auckland, which is way up on the north side of New Zealand. And uh, it was a rough start. So the purpose of that trip was, or at least the goal of that trip was to bike from Auckland, New Zealand, way up on the North Island and go to the very southernmost point, but I was on a mountain bike, so I wanted to make sure to stop and do hiking and actually do like local single track. Um, so just there were lots of mountain bike parks along the way. You might not have heard this, but I, I landed. I had been sick, horribly sick for like a, during the entire flight. Like I left Japan with this crazy fever, had a huge hassle getting my bike and just different stuff to the airport and visa issues. And I land in the airport, I build my bike, and I pedal just far enough outside of Auckland. I never even went into Auckland um, because the airport's on the south side to like literally find a a little grove on the side of the road where nobody would bother me. And I just like put up my tent and slept for a day and a half. (laughs) No, I didn't know that, dude. (laughs) What an introduction. Yeah, it was, uh, that was rough and it left me very weak. So it made the first couple days of cycling, um, kind of slow but just it also hit the ground running and i i ended up spending uh i had like 45 46 days in new zealand it took about took about a week to get my stride i will say that like the first week was very beautiful saw some amazing sights but just a little bit like stressful figuring out where to pitch a tent like how to talk to the locals obviously they speak english there but like it just I'd done a lot of research, read a lot of books, but you don't know like the style of the the country, if that makes sense. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Interesting. Why, why New Zealand? Why'd you go there? And then also like, did it, how quickly was it that did it fulfill like, oh, this is this is why I came here? So I went there because if you just Google like an idiot, best places to cycle in the world, New Zealand's going to come up on like, you know, half the articles. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it lived up to the reputation. There were quite a few tour cyclists there. Um, they have a lot of bike paths that are unpaid, too. So I could actually take mountain bike routes 
for about a third of the trip. So single track was about a third of my riding was on single track, which I found much more fun. And I also, I mean, the trip in general, I, I just needed to get away. I was ready for something different. I actually had to, you know, give notice to a very good job. And, and at the time, it appeared that I had to give that up. Ended up getting hired back at that company when I came back like three and a half, four months later. Um, you all, you always working out a deal for yourself. We'd be biking and you'd be <laughs> like, yeah, I told them, I told them this, but they offered me a job when I got back for a 20% raise or something. I'm like, how's this guy always working out these yeah. deals for himself? I, I did get a pay increase and <laughs> again, maybe that's just dumb luck, but it also, you know, if you commit to something, everybody was putting up barriers, but it worked out. It was like once I committed and people knew that there was no going back, all of a sudden doors opened too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I had actually planned though on that New Zealand trip for a buddy to meet up and he had to bail. So this is the first time I'd done any sort of tour cycling or very long trip by myself, you know, because before I'd done that bike thing biking trip with you and it had been so fun to have a friend and so i was really worried about that too but what what ended up changing the trip really mentally was i started finding these campgrounds and their government uh what do you call it like funded campgrounds so you only pay five bucks or less and there's really not even a facilities it's just like a safe place to lay your tent and people can bring just their stuff and it's more of a community layout wow and i learned if you stay in those the new the New Zealanders, the Kiwis, um, they're just like legendarily cool. Even though their country at the time had like a lot of tourists because it's their summer, uh, they they would make you food and just chat and give you drinks. And uh, that that's when it started to change. Is is when I found ways to to converse with the people better because then they're excited about their country. And they're like, oh wow, you're gonna be passing this way. Don't take that main road. There's a path that goes through here. There's gonna be a hot spring. Um, you know, 20 miles down the road that's not on any map. You need to stop in there. And all of a sudden, the, the Kiwis, the locals, were helping to guide the journey. And I'm very glad that I didn't have a super firm route to follow. That sounds awesome just to have those campsites just kind of to look forward to and to have kind of the ability to to go where you want. What was uh, What was one of your favorite experiences there in New Zealand? You got any story with maybe meeting strangers or something interesting happened one of just the most memorable moments is i'd made it to the south island on new zealand and i've been through some beautiful sections i ended up on the west coast getting close to the franz joseph glacier and it's starting to get a little bit dusky and i could see on a map that i looked up before that there should be one of these campgrounds ahead so it kind of links into that campground vibe and so i i roll in there you know i'm just another guy on a bike and I kind of pick out a plot and one, it was beautiful. There's this little dock going out to this lake and there's like somebody way out in the lake just swimming it. And then there's this group of five or six, I jokingly was like hippies and they're just singing all these old timey songs in perfect harmony, maybe like one guitar, just having an awesome time. And it was beautiful. It turns out they're actually a family and they like are semi-professional singers. So they'll even do some tours and they just camp in their RV and they sing and they invite me over and they're like, hey, we got another uh, single guy, you know, who just kind of rolled in here by himself. And they introduced me to this guy, Neil, from England. He was traveling around in a car, you know, and he's inviting me to hang out. And we actually ended up meeting up several different times throughout New Zealand. And 
it's just these wild, funny scenarios where you, you roll up and, you know, there's there's people singing and <laughs> and making food and it just became a big community. And, and this is New Zealand. You're you're five miles away or so from the Franz Josef Glacier. So it's like this glacier that almost meets the ocean and it goes through this huge valley with like thousand foot sheer walls and waterfalls. And um, I've never been to Yosemite, but I've heard it's like a a mini version kind of that vibe where it's just the big walls and the waterfalls and it's got this glacier coming down the middle and so yeah you just think about like one 24-hour period in new zealand and it's that's why sometimes you can't shut up because it's like and then that happened and then that happened and all of a sudden you just want to go on for all 45 days wow man and now was it i mean how hard was it to just uh be alone in that trip because i know that this was kind of the first first real big one for you to just literally travel across an entire country by yourself. So we covered the benefits of being alone, where you're actually even more approachable. So people want to watch out for you when you travel with someone else. Like, oh, they're they're taking care of each other. They've got each yeah, other's yeah. backs. When you're alone, people do approach you, and that was very neat. But there's there's a tough side too. A lot of uh, nights, I I only think I stayed in bed. Excuse me, one night. So I, I tent camped every night. And sometimes you just kind of be stashed away and you'd be hearing noises in the woods and you're trying to read or fall asleep and it just takes a minute or two. And then, yeah, conversation, just a lot of hours on the bike um, where it's a little bit sad that you're not sharing those moments. Like you're looking at stuff and, yeah, you can take a picture and put it on Instagram and Facebook, but the the moment's different and not having someone to to like recall that moment with that that's that's kind of sad because sometimes it it's just something that would be really cool to share with someone but overall i i do think it was very very healthy and good for me to to do it alone it 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 left me with a lot of confidence a lot of can do and now when i plan adventures i i take more of the approach of hey i'm i'm gonna do this and i'd love it if you come but it's not gonna stop me if you don't yeah it's an awesome lesson to learn because, you know, it's it's what keeps a lot of people from doing stuff. And I, I understand, you know, being alone is definitely scary there. I would say there's probably a lot more times and I've been alone that I wish someone was there than if I had been with someone and wished I was alone. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but uh, just really out of safety. But then you realize like Eh, that, situation probably, that, that, that situation probably wasn't as dangerous as I imagined it to be, or as I thought at the time. I was just freaking out a little bit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, what kind of things do you have to worry about in New Zealand? There's no bears or anything. <laughs> Strangers, There is actually no creatures that are harmful to humans in New Zealand. Nothing at all. I, I've heard something like that. Really? That's that's crazy. It's like, it really is paradise. Nothing that can eat you, no poisonous snakes, like, unless you, like, the most dangerous thing that can happen is a bird poops on you and you get salmonella. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, that's not, uh, yeah, that's not too bad. I guess strange people, people is about the only thing you got to worry about, I guess. That's actually real, yeah. Um, New Zealand, again, it it's known for pretty safe people, but they do kind of nab stuff out of your bag. I had zero problem with that. But that was one thing that a lot of other cyclists talked about, like, take your valuables out of your bag. Dang, man. Now, I, I think I remember a story about a cave or something while you were there. What is uh, yeah. What is that about? So you talk about being alone, and, and safety is an aspect with being alone. Yeah. If something goes wrong, having someone else there is really important. 
Uh, so there was one day, and and I don't say this super lightly. Um, I've done a lot of quote unquote dangerous stuff, but I always felt like the risk was I get severely hurt. But there's been almost never in my life where I felt like, ooh, this is this is playing with life and death because I, I try and not play with that line. That's that's not my game. But I was um, having an awesome time uh, biking. At this point, I'd gone out of my way through the west coast of New Zealand. I'd been on this highway that's like uh, the whole time you're just on the Pacific coast and you got the mountains on one side and the huge waves and there's all these beaches you can stop at. And I spent the night on this, uh, it was still being constructed. It's like inside this house because the wind was really high. So just like I put my tent inside one of the concrete walls because it was a vacated construction house. Really pretty spot. Woke up that morning and there's supposed to be a trail right next to me that'll lead to some caves. So I leave my bike and I walk the two miles up this river valley and there's two caves. So that there's like, I think they called it north and south. So the north one, it's, it's real small and had tons of stalactites. It was, it was beautiful. And I'm using, um, I think I had a headlamp and my back of lights, like my cell phone light. Because <laughs> um, I figured you go into a cave, you better have two lights. Right. So I come out of that and the entrance to the south cave is so much bigger. And there's a big sign saying, don't go in here, unstable. There's all these fallen rocks, but it, it's a nice day and stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, don't yell too much, but I at least got to check this out while I'm here. Um, so I go in and it's just a much bigger cave and it had a lot of passage options, but I, and I'm going in and being pretty smart. I spent some time in caves. So just taking note of kind of each, each turn and how far I've gone. And then I, I hear like falling water way back in this cave and I just get excited because I love waterfalls and I'm like, no way. Is there going to be like a, a river, like a big waterfall in the middle of this cave? And I just kind of get so excited. I'm moving quickly and um had to do some kind of sketchy stuff over what appeared to be like my light couldn't see the bottom of these like crevasses and you're like either jumping over them or skirting along the side of the rock and what i wasn't taking note of is like my path wasn't very linear like it wasn't like an obvious this is the path the cave goes like i was making my way so i go way back into this cave and sure enough like there's just this falling water and as far as my light could shine up and down it's like this waterfall it was amazing and so cool and i'm like in there and you can't even take photos of it you know like the the mist in the air means you can't use flash and uh without flash the photo doesn't do anything but just loving it and then i turn around and i within like one or two turns I'm like oh shoot i uh i was i was a good 30 minutes back in this cave with quite a few turns and um i realized i hadn't paid good attention at all to the way back and again there's these really huge like crevasses inside this cave so you had to be careful um and all of a sudden basically pitch black in this large cave i was struggling to find my bearings i'm not someone who gets lost easy or anything and i just felt like this massive panic attack coming on and and i had to talk to myself I was like no like you cannot panic no matter what like calm your heart rate down remember and i just sat down for five minutes and just thought about the path but i still it took several hours for me to get out of that cave by trying each route and i would like leave markers and try one path until i realized like i'm not recognizing anything and and thankfully saving grace actually one time i thought i had taken the wrong route back so i was heading back and i'm like no i remember going over this ledge because it was real tricky and it just had looked different in reverse and that was actually like the moment several hours later in this dark cave with a a helmet light that probably didn't have much battery left and a 
the flashlight on my cell phone, I finally felt like, okay, I recognize this spot and I'm, I'm going to get out of here. But it was weirdly, um, compared to a lot of the more visibly, um, scary things I've, that, that was actually, if I think about the scariest moment of my life where I felt like that just, and it wasn't until you're out of there that you even appreciate how bad it was. Cause I just wouldn't allow myself to think about it. Um, and it, and it might not sound like a lot to a lot of people, but it just took a lot of mental. It was like, whoa, okay, I'll never do that again without really marking my route well and probably taking someone with me into a cave. <laughs> well, dang, man. That's, uh, I think Johnny Cash has a story about that. He got lost in a cave one time in like Tennessee and was praying like, Lord, if I get out of here, <laughs> I'll never, I'll never do anything bad again for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh man that is um it, it's scary the scariest things don't have to be the biggest you know what i'm saying it's like you can you can slightly miss hitting someone head on at an intersection and just think oh my gosh that was that moment can change your life you know what i'm saying getting lost in a cave is a big deal i mean you i, I never realized that it was that bad i mean we could we could have gotten a story like hey jordan's lost in new zealand and just never heard from you again good lord you could have fell in one of these crevasses and just been gone <laughs> yeah but one thing i love about new zealand walked out of there um got on the road it actually rained so i i pull over to like a little shelter guy walks out of like the what looked like a house on the side of the shelter i was like come on in and he's like giving me some drinks and making me hot tea and we passed over the rain chatting and he was super interesting. And then you leave there and all the rain turned every hillside along this coastal highway into waterfall after waterfall and the sun came out and it's like the day ended just beautifully. And that, that is the highs and lows of New Zealand. It's, it's the, the trip was just, the scenery was phenomenal. So that, that trip was pretty impactful, huh? Very much so. Um, you know, time alone on a bike, too, with no one to chat to, um, you have to confront a lot of things. You have to think about it. And it made me appreciate the beauty of nature. It made me more comfortable being alone with myself. It uh, it really was. It, it changed my attitude towards a lot of things. Now, I know that was a handful of years ago. What was it like getting to the end of the trip and, and getting back, back home? So, fun part with it was afterwards i ended up selling my bike uh to a guy i went mountain biking with locally uh in dunedin and hitchhiking to christchurch and flying out to china where i met a friend and new zealand's a pretty expensive country and i hadn't i'd always gotten plenty of food but i was always hungry because you're cycling well <laughs> yeah. food in china is like dirt cheap and i just remember like every second i had eating 10 meals a day that were humongous and spending like five dollars doing it and oh my just guys that sounds awesome was it good food oh it's the best like everything is fresh cooked in front of you and it's you know it's all fried and stuff but man it tasted amazing and that was actually a really good ease back because when you cycle i was doing a lot of miles in new zealand and it's very up and down so it was good to like do a lot of hiking in china and be with a buddy and it eased me back slowly where the physicality level dialed down at a good pace yeah, when I came back to uh, to work, uh, it actually gave me a really good appreciation of work. By the time I came back, I was so ready to be at my office job and, and be working with coworkers and solving problems because I, I do enjoy 
working, but I enjoy it so much more when you come back from a little adventure. It's like you, you sometimes forget that there's a lot of benefits to being a local in town and that, uh, you know, solving business problems and stuff is actually its own unique uh, deal. Was it hard to, I could make a judge, well, like were people more or less interested in your trip than you'd expect them to be? They were so unrelatable. <laughs> oh, man, I, yeah, I, I thought it was it, gonna be something like that. They were interested, but it's always like a "Wow, you're crazy!" and show us some pictures, and that's really neat. But they just don't. That it was just a topical conversation. Of, oh yeah, this is this is crazy Jordan. He he just came back from a New Zealand bike trip. Uh, but but they they struggled to relate to why I went or what I got out of it. I guess you could say. Yeah. And and that's and that's a huge theme. Whether you've traveled or been on vacation or you do an adventure somewhere, when you get home, the time that you were gone, how long did you say you were in New Zealand? Forty something days. Uh, New Zealand itself, forty eight days, and that whole trip was a little over three months. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that I mean, three months on an adventure where every mile and every face is brand new, it feels like a year. Like it feels like a whole separate lifetime chapter of your life but when you're at home you know kind of in your routine three months can go by in the blink of an eye so so that people don't realize just if you've never been on an adventure that took weeks or months you don't realize just how much can actually fit into that amount of time it's it's a book worth of information and stories you want to tell that the average person just won't even know even know what they're missing, even know what, like how much could actually fit. I mean, we just talked to a guy on the show who just rode across the Pacific uh, by himself on a two person rowboat. And I honestly, man, I kind of was just glossing over questions. And then Paul's here. He's staying with me right now. And he was like, I was telling him about it. He's like, that is crazy. And he started going into like, this is what that would require. This is kind of the mindset that this is, totally dangerous and, and nuts and i was like dang you're right i did i was just kind of glossing over questions thinking like oh that's crazy you just rode across an ocean but no you wrote like doing something like that is it <laughs> deserves a lot of uh respect and, and a thought to appreciate that is quite an achievement and quite a can't imagine everything you saw and experience you know but it, it, it's hard for people back home to really understand that for sure Big time, and and it really is a lifetime. It almost seems like another world. Um, and I and I don't think every adventure has to be three months or a right. long period, but it is it is a little different when you are completely separated from everything, and that adventure, that time, is the only thing you're doing. Yeah, it's like hundred percent into it, and then a hundred percent out of it. What an adjustment. So yeah, man. So you, you, I mean, you didn't stop the adventures there. Um, I know you maintain a pretty robust professional career. You just got a, a job where it's going to cause you cause you to literally move clear across the country. So uh, congratulations. Um, but 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 what what does your life look like since that uh, New Zealand trip? I haven't done anything quite that long, but I've you know, if you stack up the last couple years since then, it's been really fun. I'm not sure how much detail you want to get into, but uh, <laughs> we took on the uh, Colorado Trail Race. It's like a 550-mile, supposed to be bike race. I'm not sure if we could call it that for ourselves, but from <laughs> <laughs> from Durango, Durango to Denver. And uh, I know Mason's take is a little different. Um, we came in a little bit 
unprepared physically, maybe even mentally, because that route was true single track for so many miles and very rugged. But um, I, it still is one of my, I'm very glad I did it. it the, the scenery up high in the Rockies and some of the photos that I was able to take, because that was it, just the weather and the lighting and the views were spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, it was stunning. But you might have some comments on that trip. <laughs> 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 I wasn't my proudest trip. I, I I think it was because I was I was in a pretty bad headspace during that time of life back in I think I was 2015. Yeah, I think I was pretty depressed at the time, and this trip was kind of like a remedy to try to fix it. And I was just honestly pissed off the entire time, and and <laughs> I hated it. And I was cold. Uh, it was terrible. It was terrible. But it was also looking back, the pictures you took were just unbelievable. And so, you know, adventures, not every adventure has got to follow this script for sure. So you you might have to edit this out, but I have to tell this story about Mason. Um, we're, we're a long ways into this trip. So at this point, we're very tired. And we, there's like a, I think it's only like 10 mile section where you go straight up the back of Breckenridge and back down. Mm-hmm. And, and you climb a lot of elevation, then you bomb back down. And it's in this 550 mile race it's like a very small amount of miles so we're just grinding our way up this hill and it'd been a long night before i'd like almost broken my thumb so even i was uh very angry that day (laughs) um, so we're grinding up this hill and and it's beautiful and we're you know for the most part cheery and uh but a lot of hike a bike and a lot of slow pedaling and we're so happy to get to the top because check it out. We've got five miles of guaranteed downhill. We're about to lose two to 3000 feet of elevation. This is going to be awesome. And we're on these pretty lightweight hardtail mountain bikes. When most people doing this race were um, on full suspension. So we get to the top and you start going down and it's just grade a single track with these like big forced, you know, drops and you have bags on your bike and it's just beating you up and, and I'm hurting and, I was maybe a little more comfortable on the, those kinds of trails, though. So I'm just trying to take it as fast as possible. I'm like, I just want to bomb down this and and, oh, yeah. and kind of enjoy it and just take the beating as it comes. And so I go a good mile and a half and I stop. And I kind of had just gotten below the tree line because um, we were above the tree line. And I stop and I'm getting some water and just making sure um, Mason's close by because if something happened, I don't want to have to hike, you know, half a mile up there. And these, uh, these, two really nice hikers are coming up the trail and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Yeah, we're doing, you know, they ask, you know, you look pretty rough. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, we're biking the Colorado trail. And, um, and all of a sudden, like you hear this noise from a distance. It's like, I'm going to change the words to make them friendly. Dagnab, mother trucker, (laughs) just every sort of (laughs) loud, obnoxious term. It just, just, it was honestly more like noise. Like, And in these people's eyes, these two hikers' eyes get wide-eyed, and around the corner comes Mason, and he sees them, and all of a sudden, the look on his face changes. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going, guys? Beautiful day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it just, it was a funny moment on the trip where it was was just a tough trip. Um, It took a lot of mental. It was tough, but that was so funny. The look on those hikers' faces, they just hear like angry sasquatch coming down the mountain <laughs> i was i was rageful out there it was ridiculous it was i thought it was going to be therapeutic it just made it worse <laughs> uh, i guess that's why my memory's not great of that trip just because of how 
all that, but that was funny. I remember, I totally remember coming around the corner and being like, ah, oh, crap. They, just, <laughs> they heard every word in the book. And I threw a rock too. I threw a rock, not on the trail, but I like, it, I hit a rock and like endowed over the bike. And I just pick it up and overhead, overhead, like a caveman, just like threw it. You stupid rock. It was, Uh-oh. it was rough. Golly. But- to our to our credit, we finished it, but we also hitchhiked about a hundred miles. Up there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of your one of your interviewers on the show, uh, I think it was Bart. He was he picked us up. Yeah, that's right. We were running out of time and had to had to cut off the trail a little bit, and ended up meeting a guy that ended up being on the show twice. So <laughs> randomly, you never know, man. You never know. It's a, it's good story, good stuff. But yeah, man, we've had some good times together. And, you know, after that, I'd say I didn't, you know, we didn't do a whole lot together, but, you know, after the Colorado Trail and uh, you've, you know, progressed, you got married, you had, he just had a a child as well a couple weeks ago. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. What kind of, what, what, what has been your adventure needs and personally since doing those big trips? Because a lot of people do these big trips early on and then they may or may not ever get the chance to do it again. And I'm not saying you won't ever get the chance to do it again, but I'm saying like life just changes and you change with it. What for you do you think is your adventure needs and kind of what do you have on the horizon with uh, adventure sports? Right now and for the last couple of years, adventure has still been a very important part of maybe what you could consider the complete picture of, of work and family and life balance. Um, so I've done a couple smaller, like three to four day, um, bike packing stuff. There's a guy here in Florida that has some real cool routes that I've done more commonly, almost every Saturday I, I bike single track with a group of friends has so become a community. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida itself is, is pretty fun. A lot of good canoeing and springs. And so it's just been little camping trips, you know, a day or two, um, you know, canoeing and biking. And it just helps me appreciate the other aspects of life a lot too. Sometimes I'll end up going a couple of weeks without much of that. And it can, it can sometimes be hard for me to maintain like a healthy balance or perspective. I get real antsy. So for me, adventure just keeps, keeps a different perspective and has become an important part of what I do. It's not, it's not that it has to be anything insane or, or some giant, uh, like checkbox. Like I biked, you know, across America or something, I would love to do that, but it's not real practical right now, but I still really enjoy just getting outdoors, enjoying the weather. You mentioned I'm, I'm moving to Seattle. I'll be moving in a month, so I'm very excited to mix things up a bit, fresh mountain biking there. I'd love to climb Mount Rainier or some of the other good hiking trails that are in the area. Mm-hmm. So it's been about staying fresh. My, my wife likes to be outdoors quite a bit too, and but she just likes being out there. So we'll, we'll kind of do more, you know, canoeing for a day or going to the beach and it's, it's a good time for us. Do you find it hard to, to kind of strike that balance between wanting to be, continue being just doing these big adventure, being a, being a true adventure and also being pretty, pretty serious family, man. It is. Sometimes I still have kind of a dream having spent time in Ecuador. I'd love to bike from, uh, Tierra del Fuego, the very tip of South America, all the way up to basically Ecuador. So kind of half of the Pan American highway. I think it'd be beautiful. And, you know, I'll just have to time that right. I just had a kid. Um, that's not the kind of journey that my wife would enjoy for a long time. 
And so you'd, you'd have to find that balance. But one thing that, that I can share, it's not for everyone, but I, I do consider myself a, a serious professional. I, I take my career pretty seriously. This move to Seattle is a, a career move in a field that I really enjoy. And, um, and I take family seriously. You know, I, we just had a kid and my relationship, my wife, it's, it's important. And I think without these adventures, I would actually really struggle to be a serious professional and be a serious family man. I, I've actually found with my job, my adventures um, and getting outdoors keep my perspective very fresh. Um, it's easy to think about things in a way that's not just, this is what the textbook says. It keeps your creativity high. And, uh, and that provides genuine value for your workplace too. Okay. And so yeah. sometimes, and, and it keeps um, my endurance or energy levels high too. And I go into work feeling pretty fresh and, and uh, I have a goal to accomplish things when I'm there and, and want to get it done. And sometimes if you just spend too many months in a row only at the office and then at your house, you, you just slow down a bit mentally and physically. Um, and that's going to happen to everybody in cycles, but I, I hope that for the most part, you know, you can get that outdoors time and get that refresh that gives you the desire and the energy to also work through tough, challenging work problems. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many word problems probably feel like that, feel like that day you were stuck in that cave, you know, it's <laughs> like, okay, I've got to find a route to this. I got to figure it's problem solving. I can't panic. Because, you know, we all know work can, work can absolutely be panic-inducing, not just being stuck in a cave in New Zealand um, or being chased by a bear or something. And so those same principles going to carry over. And I guarantee, I guarantee that, that today's employers and today's workforce is really beginning to realize, okay, we need people like Jordan who have this balance between um, physical adventure as well as uh, career experience because yeah you, i mean there's nothing that can teach you resilience or self-dependence like like an adventure can totally agreed i actually leave um that new zealand trip on my resume during that three-month period intentionally because i like it in that conversation people can't help but ask about it and i'm like hey i i dealt with a lot of unknown tough situations there and i learned to deal with that and and i think you know in, in an interview it's like i think that in a workplace the same thing happens it's you're gonna find a lot of unknowns and you want people that can be okay with the unknown and find ways to solve the problem instead of running to a manager and saying i don't know what to do <laughs> right right no, no manager on that bike trip <laughs> no manager no manager helping you get up that mountain somewhere so it's fun and i'm I'm just looking forward to what the future holds. I, I think staying flexible um, and there might be a grand adventure shortly. There might be one a little farther out, but uh, taking taking it step by step too is just part of part of the life adventure. Any uh, any parting words for anyone who is struggling to maybe either maybe they might have the opportunity to do something big or maybe not, and they're struggling to balance work life and adventure oh that's dangerous my advice isn't always my advice isn't always the best All but right, well, uh, take it or leave it people <laughs> maybe maybe just think for a moment about what really is important to you so if that adventure is that you've been wanting to do is really it's been in your head and it's not going away and it's it's important again just just focus on that and, and commit to it 
and, and a lot of things will fall into place. But, you know, if it's not some big adventure you're looking for and maybe you're just feeling your balance is a little off, then, then you know, just start riding your bike to work every other day or um, find a, you know, a hiking trail that, that you can hit in the evening after work. And, and stuff like that alone will just change your entire world. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, that, I mean, that sounds dramatic. That really does. It'll change your entire world. But honestly, you it, it's crazy, man. You just say, all right. I was planning just to spend the next three hours on the laptop before going to bed, but you know what? It's already dark. Just taking a walk around the block or like you said, go out to Carter Road or me, go out to Green Mountain, just walk for 20 minutes. It's amazing. It's amazing how refreshing and how much of a reset it is and how, you know, John Muir was right. You know, every walk with nature, you get so much more than you're even looking for. I don't understand why it's so hard for me to get out the door all the time, you know? Exactly. That's that's what it comes down to. Well, you're not going to have any <laughs> any short uh, list of opportunities when you're up in Seattle for places to go explore at any time, <laughs> any time of the year, anywhere, for any amount of time. It's going to, gosh, there's just so much to do around there. So I'm super excited for you and uh, your young family, and uh, yeah, man, we'll probably have to be visiting soon and come see us on your way out here. I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jordan, man, thanks for joining us on the show, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Thanks for having me on, Mason. Yeah, man, yeah. All right, y'all, get out there and have some fun. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>